0: Sir Balpern, the Tijuana Brass, and Carson Sestouli, this is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is a prospect analyst for Fangraphs, uh, a great Canadian man, uh, n- no one could dissent from that opinion, Mark Hewlett. And uh, as we've been uh, doing recently, Mark Hewlett is here to help me with the introduction. Hello, Mark.
1: Hello, Carson.
0: Yeah. Hey, Mark, uh, with regard to what we discuss here, a lot of it has to do with your top 15 list. Would you say so?
1: Uh, I would say that we're going to speak on the six exclusively about
0: my top 15 list yeah uh i, I have uh, i've written down a a brief list of players who who people might see invoked in this or could expect to be invoked uh, i make you talk about the astros a little bit george springer and nolan fontana uh some cubs does that sound right
1: absolutely uh a little dan vogelbach a little dylan maples
0: and then someone named uh perhaps named matt caesar if that's how you really say it uh, I'm told
1: that's how you say it. Right,
0: and then uh, another one, uh, who's pronouncing his name correctly as an Italian, uh, Garin Garin Cecchini, not his brother Gavin.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely Cicchini.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, and, and it should be noted, it should be noted, uh, we don't just discuss these players, uh, but we also uh, will want to address issues that they uh, create as prospects of themselves, and also how they fit into your prospect list.
1: Absolutely, and uh, maybe we'll even give some uh, sneak peeks of uh, things that readers can uh, expect to see, and maybe some uh, insight into things they won't even see.
0: Are you suggesting that there might be there might be some material about falls that is exclusive to Fangraphs Audio?
1: I am very uh, referring to that. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well. Well, I think uh, what's happening right now is that the listener uh, is is waiting for that content with bated breath. Uh, <laughs> so let's not uh, let's not disappoint him or maybe her, but more likely him, given our demographic. (laughs) Uh, That has been uh, Mark Hewlett helping me with the introduction. Uh, You can expect to hear uh, him talk about uh, some excellent stuff regarding his top 15 lists uh, and what follows. It's Fangraphs Audio with, with prospect analyst Mark Hewlett, and it begins right now. I'm positive Hewitt, that if and when I have a child, I will break the child. I will break <laughs> the child either in half or to more, or or in more than half. And or, or uh, sort of along the same lines, this is something I could, uh, i I'm definitely imagine doing. Is and I've heard of people doing this, like you would a cup of coffee, uh, you know, like a, in a travel mug, leaving a child on top of a car.
1: <laughs> have you ever done that? Yeah, I have not done that. Uh- and just remember as well, children bounce. So you know, yeah, if, if you drop them, they <laughs> they they always uh, they always bounce.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah. That in any case, it, it does scare me. I left um, last. Uh, my wife and I have an ongoing fight, actually, or argument involving a, a certain travel mug that she's had for some time, and, and about which she cares. Uh, it's <laughs> you know, it's like fifteen years old. This thing, and uh, she has a sentimental attachment to it. Twice in the last month. We've been at the coffee shop, and she's had to go over to campus, and I go back home, and she says, could you please take this for me? And uh, the first time, I just very much forgot it. I just left it at the cafe. Uh, And then just uh, yesterday, um, and this is how she woke me up, was by mentioning this. She she said, have you seen the coffee mug? I was like, I I know I remembered it from the cafe. Uh, In fact, on my way home, though, I'd stopped and got got a sandwich at a sort of – at a kind of uh, corner corner store, and uh, yeah. I had left it there. Yeah, but uh, recovered. Recovered it.
1: <laughs> so so do you secretly or subconsciously hate the mug? Is this why you're, like, trying to sabotage?
0: Oh, I think it might have to do with not caring about my wife, actually. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Maybe not positive, always, but
1: she's the only one who will have me. Yeah. What's that? There's always something underlying.
0: Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freud, uh, I think we could... Uh, rest assured, Freud would have a field day.
1: Yeah. Oh, he'd love you, just in general.
0: I think we'd have a good time together. Uh, sometimes a cigar is not a cigar. Sometimes it's it's a sometimes it's a metaphor for the male phallus. That's what you have to learn. Okay, we are recording now. This is a free podcast. I um I want to say this. Oh, what? Well, well, hey, listen. Um, you, Mark Hewlett, are producing. Um, some top 15 prospect lists. That, is the, that has been the centerpiece of the site recently besides arguments uh, regarding uh, MVP candidacy. It's you, true. Yeah, it's true. Uh, you're doing it. Now, listen, I see here uh, Toronto, Boston, St. Louis, Chicago. Does that sound like the four teams you've produced so far?
1: Yes, sir, and I've done Toronto twice.
0: No, you've done Toronto, right. you've done Toronto <laughs> I have the updated list in front of me uh, here and uh now here is a question uh what is the is there logic to the order is it just like whatever comes most easily sort of to begin or what
1: as in the the order of what teams i'm doing yeah precisely uh, there's sort of a, a a general order that i'm following in regards to how much um teams spent during the 2012 draft how much they went over their allotment so the teams that spent uh, the most in the draft in terms of their spending allotment are first, whereas the teams that are kind of stingy in the draft are kind of last. Um, but there is a little bit of rearrangement being done depending on how quickly I get a hold of representatives to talk about each organization. Um, for one, I've already had to kind of rearrange the Los Angeles Dodgers because they've been a little bit more tricky to get people to talk about.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, now, you said that the teams that spent the most in, um, in the draft. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, because the way that the new CBA is constructed, right? I, I'm, you'll probably have to correct me in this assessment, but allow me to make it, and then you can ridicule me point by point if you need to. The uh, uh, Under the terms of the new uh, a CBA, teams are given, uh, are, are given a, a certain amount of money to spend. No, I mean, they're not given the money. They're given a, a cap. Uh, on which they could spend on the, f- on the picks from the first uh, 10 rounds or something like this. Is that the case?
1: Right. They're given an allotment of how much they can spend in, in that range. Um, and then there's also a certain um, amount they can go over without being significantly penalized.
0: Right. And it, and it, it, right. There's, like, different threshold, like, percentage thresholds. Like, if you go, like, 5% is fine maybe, or, like, 10% you give up a draft pick at some point.
1: Yeah, so you, you pay a like a I believe a tax penalty. Um, I don't I don't know all the ins and outs of it to be honest. Um, I don't pay that much attention to the business side usually, um, but there's there's a certain penalty, um, and then at some point you do you you start giving up your your draft picks. Nobody gave up their draft pick last year, so they just paid extra tax or whatever it is on top. Um, and so Toronto sort of went over the most, which is why I started with them, and then we kind of go down from there. Until we hit, uh, I think it, the Yankees were the thirtieth, the, 30th, um,
0: uh, the right number because,
1: one stingiest. To, yeah.
0: And, and they would have probably had one of the, the lower allotments too, I assume, right?
1: I, be, I believe so. Yeah.
0: Uh, just because of, I assume from their success from the year before. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's excellent. So it's, I guess there, uh, it's nice to know. Or it, I mean. I guess it doesn't matter anyway, but there is a logic to what you're doing, and I guess it's probably I'm going to assume, although I I can't say for sure, that the teams um, that have spent the most on, uh, especially uh, you know, on uh, draft picks in 2012, those are going to be for you somewhat more interesting, or could be more interesting because they might have uh, sort of more um, uh, more first first first-rate prospects, at least of late.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're definitely more of a challenge to write because there's, I have less personal knowledge on those prospects. So I lean really heavily on the people that I talk to. Especially with a, a club like the St. Louis Cardinals. I know some of the comments I got when I wrote that list is that I, you know, some people were critical of the fact that there were so many 2012 draft picks on that particular list. Uh, but it came down to the fact that St. Louis spent a ton of money uh, bringing in good players, and they got a lot of good talent in that draft, which is why they ended up with so many on that list. And I had to rely heavily on people who have seen them, whereas because a lot of those players uh, were younger guys, uh, like there were, some of them were high school guys, they started in the rookie leagues and stuff like that, that are really hard to um, to scout and, and get video on and stuff like that.
0: Um, let's start with because. If people want to see the, the, the list, what they look like one through fifteen, uh, they can do that at the site now. Like I said, you got you have Blue Jays, Red Sox, Cardinals, Cubs up right now. I think, if I'm not mistaken, you have Astros coming out on Monday. Does that sound right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. I haven't let any. Uh, I haven't let out any secrets by by
1: mentioning that. No, I believe I did uh, write a tweet earlier today saying the Astros were up next.
0: I think so you did. And I think you. Yeah. I think you did. Yeah. Um, and and and. Um, I think it's clear that uh, when when Mark Hewlett tweets, uh, the world listens.
1: <laughs> Would you say? Yeah. You say? Apparently, the world is made up of uh, what? Twelve people.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Well, twelve important people, maybe. Uh, you know, who knows? Right. And then the rest are just kind of, uh, you know, characters, bit bit playing bit parts in your life. Um, <laughs> like I say, though, people can see these lists one through fifteen uh, at the site right now. You can see the Astros on Monday. Uh, and actually, there are a couple of guys uh, in that Astros organization. I, 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 I'm going to bet that Astros organization um, is sort of fun. That list is sort of fun to put together, especially since last year, because they've added, like, an entire fleet of minor leaguers.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice one to write. Um, it's also really hard, though, to rank them. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I comment in the article itself that's going to come out is that there was a plethora of guys who fell into sort of the – the ten to fifteen range. I mm-hmm. probably had twenty guys that I would have comfortably been able to work in that that you know five or six people range. Um, so I know it's gonna. I think there's gonna be a lot of variety in the top ten or fifteen lists for the Astros when you look at the different sites like Baseball America and you look at what Keith Law is gonna do. I think there's gonna be a real difference in, in people that are written about more so probably than. Any other organization? I'm guessing in, in baseball.
0: Can I can I just ask briefly? Uh, this is not what I meant to do, but but we brought up the Astros. Um, where, where's can you can you mention where George Springer is going to be, or is that uh, you're not going to do that?
1: Uh, no, I no, I will actually I will do that for you, Carson.
0: You do, this is this is a Fangraphs Audio exclusive right here, at least for two <laughs> days, at least.
1: <laughs> uh, Springer is going to come in unless I have some sort of last minute uh, uh, inspiration or something he's going to be uh, number five actually
0: oh interesting I, now is it uh, if I'm going to guess I'm going to guess maybe the thing about which you're concerned from Springer because we know that uh, he he has um, certainly above average athleticism uh, he seems to have developing power but he has uh, he has Hewlett, what scouts will sometimes refer to as swing and miss. Uh,
1: uh, that he does.
0: That he does. I'm sure, is that your is that your primary concern, or is it transcend that?
1: I I think that's really the big concern with George Springer's, the fact that at times you can drive a truck through his his strike zone, um, and he had a really nice. 2012 regular season, uh, really good numbers, but there's that, uh, playing in the California league, um, hesitation that I always have with, with players. You just, you don't know how much that impacted their overall numbers. Uh So when you consider that, I believe, if I remember from when I, when I wrote him up, I'd have to look back, but I believe his, uh, batting average on balls in play was over 400. So that's, you know, a pretty big, unsustainable number um, that you have to be wary of. And I would probably, if someone wanted to argue with me that he, you know, was the third best or fourth best prospect in the system, I probably wouldn't argue too much. And when I, he's one of those people, when I wrote him up and I read what people said about him and then I thought more about what I thought about him, I thought, yeah, I could see him, being, you know, moving up a couple spots in the list, but I'm going to leave him here for now. And maybe he has a great season when he jumps to Double A and makes me look stupid, or maybe you know that big jump between A ball and Double A really does take a bit of a bite out of his numbers, and I end up looking somewhat not stupid.
0: Yes, uh, well, I you know it's not you l- looking stupid or smart; it's it's your choices, Hewlett. And as long as I'm going to say, as long as you've used uh, a process and you're transparent about it, then you know there's nothing uh, there's nothing else to say about that. Fair enough. I mean, there, there's a, a, a um, there are a number of other reasons to criticize you, um, <laughs> but I, I don't think I don't think that would be one.
1: Uh, so and, my wife tells me.
0: Yes, and uh, yes, um, uh, yeah. She she actually will just email. She just emails whenever you do something wrong. I had to get a separate <laughs> email account for the purpose. Uh, it's reached my capacity. The uh, I want to I'm going to do this again. This is not this is not at all what I intended to do. Hewlett, but now you got me thinking about another player, and I'm curious about how you would approach a player like this. Um, uh, last year, the Astros um, drafted the shortstop from the University of Florida, Nolan Fontana. And uh, Fontana had a very strange uh, professional debut in that he uh, his on-base percentage was like something like 50 or 100 points higher than his slugging percentage. He had a, a crazy walk rate. Was probably a little bit old for I think he played in a, in high A, maybe A Class A or high A, um, and he was probably a little bit old for that. And when you see a player who's like a tiny bit old for the level, or at least old to be considered like a true prospect, and then also he's posting giant walk rates, you say, well, hmm, you know, this could just be an advanced approach, but who knows if it's going to hold up if you know as he uh, ascends uh, through the minor league uh, levels. On the other hand, he, he plays shortstop, or you know at least has played shortstop, which is considered you know which which has uh, the greatest sort of uh, bump in terms of uh, positional adjustment. So I'm curious how you approach a player like Nolan Fontana, I, I don't know much about his defense, maybe you know you do, um, who, on the one hand, you know ha- posted great offensive numbers and plays shortstop, on the other hand, those offensive numbers in particular were due largely to um, something that might dissolve in the higher levels.
1: Yeah, Nolan Fontaine is a guy that I like. Um, He's not going to end up on the top 15 list. He was one of those players that was in that uh, group of 10 people who probably could have made it if I – and I wouldn't have felt bad about including him at the back end of the list. Um, What I'll do is I actually – I did talk to someone who's – uh, knows him pretty well. Um, and I'll just read you off some of the notes that I jotted down when I was talking to them. Oh, this is great. This a, is this a is bit a, of a bonus
0: here. a Fangraph's audio exclusive. Is that right? Uh,
1: you got it. So okay. you're not going to read this on the top 15 list, but if you're listening now, you're going to hear a little bit about what uh, a pretty smart person in baseball thought about Nolan Fontana. Okay, excellent. So uh, notes I wrote down um, doesn't have huge tools. And remember, this is him saying it, not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't have huge tools, but he's a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Not incredibly rangy, but quick on his feet and has enough arm. Uh, he'll field everything hit to him. So if you kind of read between the lines, it kind of suggests his uh, range is, you know, maybe uh, I don't want to say uh, Derek Jeter range because that's really not very nice, but right. you get the idea. Right, sure, handed um,
0: sure-handed, sure-handed <laughs> but maybe exactly. not exceptional.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he also said uh, has a great eye. Uh, crazy walk rates uh, and reminds him a bit of current astro jed lowry um, he's a high probability player rather than a high ceiling
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's kind of what he he viewed of uh, fontana so right um, obviously jed lowry has um, definite value he's a, a player that other teams covet so i would say that nolan fontana is a guy that probably is going to make the majors Probably going to play a few years in the majors, but he's not going to be the kind of guy that is going to be a perennial all-star.
0: He sounds like a, a sort of player though who could be a, a very useful um, utility infielder, in that he can um, he can play all the positions probably, and uh, is not going to kill you offensively.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. Maybe you know a, a Micah Vilas kind of guy too, with right. uh, maybe a little less power. Um, right. You know, probably Jed Lowry. I'm going to go with that as the best comp. But uh, Abiulis has been in the news a bit more. so people might be a little more familiar with <laughs> him. Um, I mean, they're both uh, former Red Sox players too, interestingly yeah. enough. Um, so maybe no, Nolan Fontana's a Red Sox kind of guy.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe he'll end up there. Uh, we await that with bated breath. Uh, at least I do. <laughs> Bait all in my breath. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why. <laughs> now. All right, listen, all right, we'll, we'll steer away from the Astros uh, for the time being at least. And here, here's the question I want to ask you. Like I said, these lists are up already, the Astros list coming up. Readers can see those. My question is for you is I'm interested in – we'll start off just with one player. Maybe there's others. I'm curious, though, um, to find out if any picks surprised you or where you ranked a player or what you came across for a player, if it surprised you as you're constructing the list. Where you might have had a, a notion about a player, uh, but then as you sort of just start to aggregate um, all your information, um, you know, from different sources, whether it be you know statistical or, or from uh, more of a, a scouting angle, um, or just putting him in the context of what of what you know his his floor and his ceiling are. I'm wondering if if you ended up putting a player somewhere where, that that ultimately that surprised you, but you had to uh, you, you sort of said looking at it from all perspectives. Hmm, yeah, this actually uh, this makes sense.
1: Yeah, uh definitely. Um I think the first thing that really I I, I don't know if I'm going to say the first time it really got me was um but one of the first ones that really got me was when I was doing the Cubs list. And I was talking to someone in baseball. Uh I really can't say who, but I would say someone that I was sh- pretty shocked that they were willing to talk to me. So Someone who is it must have been a really woman
0: then I assume <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, good one uh, a no a uh, but a, a very very well respected baseball person um, and the things that he had to say about uh Dan Bogelbach um really caused him to uh, rise a bit in my in my eyes, and in what I kind of heard about him um from this particular person and then add, ask subsequent people really caused me to sort of rank him a little bit higher than I thought I was going to. Um, and the same can probably be said for the same list with Dylan Maples as well. Um, he was a guy that high school draft pick, didn't pitch much last year, had some injury problems, didn't get a good look at him. I didn't have a real great feel on him. But when I talked to some people about him, the potential that he has is you know a lot you know really high, um, and I came away really impressed. So both those guys ended up a little bit higher than I expected them to.
0: Okay, well let's talk about Vogelbach for a second, and, and he's someone um, whom I've addressed. I think it was with Newman. Uh, we talked about him, um, and, and Newman actually. And we didn't even uh, we haven't even addressed this, but you've done a uh, you've done a cool thing this year um, with the list where you've arranged so that other uh, writers within this uh, under the fan graphs umbrella. So including also the um, guys who who think about prospects um for rotographs in this would in that case be JD Sussman and uh, Jason Catania. I don't know if Jason's supplied anything, but you know, he's, he's sort of there to, it, as part of the discussion. Uh, you've included an additional notes section um that allows for, you know, to either, you know, to augment your, your read of the player in some way. And uh, in this case, uh, JD Sussman has looked at him and, um, I'm just noting that Uh, we can discuss the the utility of that in a second, but I want to talk about Vogelbach. Vogelbach, could you you give a brief summary of him? The one thing that uh, sticks out about him is uh, his offensive line and also his size. He's a giant person.
1: Yeah, he is. uh, You know, he's still, I believe, uh, opening day 2013. He's only going to be 20 years old, uh, but he's, you know, uh, almost looks like he plays in a beer league because he's uh, he's a very large young man. And, you know, you look at him and you kind of start to create opinions unfairly, I guess, about what type of player, what his abilities are going to be. Um, and you kind of have to remember that there are players like Prince Fielder out there who um, play above and beyond what you think they would based on what they look like. And he's very likely going to be one of those players. I don't think there's anyone out there that that thinks he's ever going to be a very good defender uh, because of his limitations. But in, in listening to people that know him, he's an incredibly hardworking guy uh, who's going to get all the, you know the most out of his abilities. And he's got just crazy, crazy raw power. Um, he's a guy I saw that just absolutely creamed uh, at, you know a flat fastball over the heart of the plate, dead center for. Um, for a very impressive home run Um, but then you know the next the next inning I saw him go the other way for a single and it leads me to believe that those 300 batting averages that he's shown in the minors aren't a fluke um, and that he might actually be the type of player that can despite the fact he's going to have a low batting average on balls in play um, because he's not going to he's uh, beat out any infield singles, uh, mm-hmm. like some of the speedy people do, um, he still might hit for a really good average with uh, quite a bit of power as well.
0: Yeah, just looking at his numbers, too, um, you know, this and this does not necessarily tell the whole story, but it appears as though, just based on his walk and strikeout rates, um, especially relative to his age, that he has a, a pretty early um, and effective understanding of the strike zone
1: i would say that's a fair a fair assessment, a fair assessment yeah.
0: yeah now now you you mentioned a couple of things about him what was it precisely um you I know mean, it doesn't have to be a direct quote but um that you heard from this uh, this talent evaluator who's, what was it precisely that that sort of um forced you to rethink your your, your notions about daniel Vogelbach?
1: um it, it again it was sort of about how how much of a hard worker he is um what a great teammate and player he is, how, you know, basically this person just taught the world of, of Dan Vogelbach as a person and as a baseball player. Um which, when you see the ability that he has, which I was able to see personally in watching him play, and then you hear that, you know, he's incredibly motivated, he's incredibly smart, he's a really great teammate, it just gives you that that feeling that he's got all those intangibles to help him get over that that hump where you know that so many people are going to wipe out, that even some of the most talented players never reach the majors because they just don't have that special quality that it takes to get all the way through the minors to reach the majors. And you get the feeling in speaking with people that that Vogelbach has that special, those special qualities that are really going to help him make the most of, of the skills he clearly has, uh, and, and become a, a really good um, Major League Baseball player.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned that you, um, you've you seen him sh- uh, show pretty excellent uh, power. Uh, I do know that somewhere out there, and I think it's probably you know a couple years old now, there, there's a, a, a short uh, but telling video of Vogelbach, I think playing like a high school game or Legion game or something, uh, in which he, he hits a home run. And this is like a 17-year-old at this point, and uh, just his the, the authority of his swing, um, it, and the, the way he handles the bat, just like how, how strong his you know his uh, his arms are and his wrists uh, is quite impressive. And you know, even for someone like me, who, who has you know very little foundation in uh, you know analyzing swings, et cetera, uh, it's it's striking the degree to which it resembles. Uh, you know, especially uh, for for a player this age, it resembles you know something more more like you might see in the major leagues than you know ninety nine point nine percent of the high schoolers you're going to see.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Period. Uh, I was <laughs> just ending my sentence. Sorry, I did not know if it was clear. Now,
1: <laughs> with uh, okay,
0: with re- with regard to uh, to Dylan Maples. Now, I if I'm not mistaken, there there was uh, you mentioned that this was another player. Um, wh- whom uh, you were surprised to be ranking so high, but, but made sense, it, but that it made sense to do so, um, given the information you, you had available to you. Um, I I think that I saw some comments, uh, and of course, um, you know, it needs to be said that uh, all uh, all fan graphs, commenters, all internet commenters generally, uh, generally only use, uh, uh, you know, operate under the at, at the height of reason and rationality. Uh, and that nothing else is uh, but the best is, is, is good for them, but um, perhaps there were some people who dissented from that opinion of uh, ranking maple sports, or at least had had questions about uh, what might have motivated you uh, to do so
1: Yeah, and I think it you know I tried to kind of bring it forward in, in what I wrote about him and um, in the blur but talks about what a great, what a great athlete he was in the, in high school being that he uh, had NFL potential um in another sport and then you look at the fact that he's a he's a kid that has a you know mid to high 90s fastball and then the scout that I talked to um, you know commented that his his curveball is as good a breaking ball as he's seen while scouting so when someone who's been scouting for and I can say he's been scouting for quite a few years when someone says that um, that's pretty impressive uh, to me anyway so when you've got a guy that can throw mid 90s you know, again, a very very young guy who's only going to be twenty on opening day in two thousand thirteen. He's got a mid nineties fastball, and he's got you know a, a crazy good curveball. He's and he's athletic. He's got all all the skills there that really suggest he's going to be a great player. And to be honest, the the pitching in the Cubs system is a little weak, especially in terms of the hitting prospects that they have. So there was nobody really that was above head and shoulders above maples Uh,
0: so yeah he's a 14th rounder uh, it looks like what what was the cause of that
1: um he was he was one of those guys that was considered unsignable um, because he did have that ability to go to the university of north carolina and i think he was going to play both football and baseball Mm -hmm. so because he had that nfl potential teams weren't willing to risk a first-round pick on him in case he went elsewhere. And although he did go in the 14th round, he ended up signing for $2.5 million. So obviously his slot did not dictate his talent.
0: Now I want to I ask you about uh, – we're talking about some Cubs here. Um, I'm curious about a, a third Cub, actually, and uh, this is just uh, sort of, I guess, how this is unfolding. Um, but uh, you know, of course, um, and I'm sure you, you check them diligently – um, I'll produce uh, what I call scout leaderboards uh, for the various uh, short-season leagues. It's uh, it's an attempt, at least, to, to make some sense out of small samples using uh, uh, s- some uh, regression and in, in some work by uh, by Russell Carlton on on plate appearance thresholds and and when certain metrics become reliable. Uh, now, if we look at prospect age players uh, that played in the Arizona Fall League this year, which uh, has just ended, actually. Um, as of uh, Thursday, Thursday I guess, and these stats would have been current through Wednesday. Uh, Matt Caesar, I believe it's pronounced, and that's S Z C Z U R. Matt Caesar, uh, the Cubs finished with uh, the most impressive line uh, of any uh, player 22, age 22 or younger in the Arizona Fall League, and that was. It's a slightly arbitrary cutoff, but it's sort of uh, eyeballing it. The what I would re- regard as. Uh, uh, prospect age for that uh, for that uh, league. Um, I, I'm curious. Uh, it, it seems that a lot of his value in terms of his line, uh, the Arizona Fall League, and it, it appears to be the case as well with um, with his season stats has has to do with controlling controlling the strike zone. Um, I know he, I've heard that he has some speed, but I, for me, I don't necessarily have a great sense of what that's going to be. Um, or what that projects to as a major leaguer? Can you can you talk a little bit about Matt Caesar, whom, if I'm looking correctly, uh, you ranked eighth in the Cubs organization?
1: Yeah, he he was a, a guy that was difficult to rank because his the I guess uh, opinions around baseball are kind of all over the map with him. Uh, again, he's a you know a former college football player, um, so he didn't really commit himself full time to baseball until. He came into the Cubs system and doesn't possess a a ton of power. Um, He's kind of a, yeah, he's got a big speed guy, um, and uh, he's still kind of learning the nuances of of playing the outfield and of, of hitting. So he's one of those guys that some people see a lot of potential in if everything sort of clicks, and to other people they see maybe a fourth outfielder. So I'm... I'm kind of undecided at this point, to be honest. I'm going to take a wait and see approach with him.
0: You know, looking at his line, and, and again, uh, you know, I know this is not the, the only way to do this, but looking at his line, it invokes for me uh, almost exactly the, the sort of line that you might get out of um, a prospect on another list you've actually done, and that's the that's the Red Sox list, uh, f- fifth overall prospect you've. Um, you, you identified in the Red Sox organization as Garin. I believe it's I believe it's Cicchini, or at least it should be. I, don't uh, know. I
1: believe you're right. I believe it is Chikini. Right, well, yeah. let's stay if, with Chikini
0: uh, because that is the proper uh, Italian pronunciation. And
1: um, I, I'm pretty sure when I was speaking with people, that's how they were pronouncing it.
0: So, okay. Yeah. Well, good. Well, it's good to see that, that uh, everyone's on the same page uh, here, as so far as that's concerned. But it's a, it looks cosmetically uh, like a rather similar skill set in that uh, you see. Um, walk and strikeout percentages uh, that are that are mostly even. Uh, you see um, almost a total lack of uh, home run power. Looks like Caesar hit f- uh, five home runs in uh, 588 plate appearances. Um, in almost as many plate appearances, 526, Chikini hit four home runs, so that's pretty similar. And also, you're seeing stolen base totals in the 50 area, in the 50 range. I- is this uh, um is this a, is this an unfair comparison in terms of their their offensive approaches?
1: Uh, I I don't know. Um, the the big thing I guess the two things that stand out for me in, in that comparison is that there's a pretty big difference in age between the two, with Caesar being older, mm-hmm. um, and also the fact that they're they play different positions, with Chikini being a, a third baseman right now anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and Caesar being an outfielder, so. Um, but you're right in, in the fact that there are definitely some similarities in the uh, offensive approach uh, at this point, um, or at least in, in the numbers. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I guess you could draw some comparisons to them. I, I don't think they're huge, um, hugely, hugely uh, comparable, but there are definitely some.
0: Yeah, well, this is a, this is always a thing that's interesting. I guess is the way that uh, you know maybe a slightly different approaches could produce similar-looking numbers. But as you, I mean, clearly one thing that d- merely looking at their lines doesn't take into account. Well, of course, it doesn't take into account um, you know uh, park or league league factors, and it also doesn't take into account age uh, relative to those to those levels. And as you note, uh, uh, Caesar is at least two years uh, two years older. Uh, at least maybe even three years if we talk about baseball age. So, um, so yeah, totally legitimate there. Ch- Chikini, uh, is interesting, I guess, then, right? Like you say you mentioned he plays third base. He doesn't fit our notion, our traditional notion of what a third baseman is, which is, you know, a guy who is, who, um, you know, it may in addition to, uh, you know, playing the number five on the field is, is, might be a sort that you would think of as, as being like a number five batter in your lineup. Right, which is usually a guy for whom range is less important, uh, but uh, but who has a, you know a stronger arm and is usually a, has a bigger build. Um, it, now, when you're looking at a prospect like this, is it you're looking at him in the context of a third baseman, but he has such a different approach than that? At least that it, it, in that historical third baseman we might have in mind. I'm wondering how how you go about resolving those sorts of things.
1: Well, with, with Chikini, definitely he got ranked a, a couple spots lower uh, because of the profile concerns. I, you know, if I was going based solely on what I thought about him as a, as a hitter, not taking into consideration his position, I probably would have ranked him fifth or sixth because I I do like his his offensive um, skills, and you know he's as I wrote in the report, the the person, one of the people I spoke with said that. Um, you know he was the best base runner in the system, which is why he was able to steal the fifty bases even though he doesn't doesn't have um, great speed so he does a lot of uh, a lot of things well but yeah it, it's hard to envision him being given a long term uh, being given a regular long term playing time at third base in the major leagues for a first division club. I don't think there's been many players in the last ten or fifteen years who have played third base and hit only five or ten home runs a season for and been been given regular playing time for a good number of years in a row.
0: Yeah, you know the the sort of player who's who comes to mind when you you know discuss that profile is uh, Placido Polanco.
1: Who, yeah he'd, he'd be one
0: yeah right but who but who at the same time actually has i mean he has you know he has hit 10 home runs a couple times or more and the other thing is he has freakish contact ability right
1: he does and he's he's he was on one of those teams too though where the they were able to sort of take that third base production that you would have expected and they got it somewhere else with chase atlee playing second base you know chase atlee when he was healthy, when when he's healthy, produces at a at a higher rate than you would normally expect from a, a second baseman. I think that's why they could live with uh, Placido Polanco at third base.
0: Right, right. Um, as I noted earlier, and I, I want to let you go here. Pretty soon, you've uh, I think you've already um, fulfilled your obligations. Uh, but uh, I want to ask you, as I noted earlier, you have. Uh, you have sort of opened up this, uh, this additional, uh, notes, uh, that are, you've allowed for these additional notes, or, or this is a, I guess a feature that you've introduced for these lists, um, uh, from, uh, Mike Newman, JD Sussman, etc. Uh, I'm curious, um, what, uh, f- on who you feel like maybe, which, which prospects, uh, have kind of, uh, received the most, uh, or, or I guess invoke the most conversation, uh, receive the most scrutiny, or you know who you who for you you might be evaluating higher or lower than uh, another one of the writers, uh, sort of um, who's who's uh, contributing to these lists. Yeah,
1: I I don't think there's been a lot of, um, I don't think there's been a lot of discussion over the rankings because the other like Newman and, and Sussman aren't aren't really big ranking guys.
0: Right,
1: right, right. Um so they kinda they kinda for the most part leave that up to me and then they they chime in with their valuable insight sort of based on, on who and where I, I put the people. Um I'd say that two two players kinda jumped to mind with that question. Um the first one would be with the Red Sox, number fifteen. I kinda had a a, a tough time choosing who I wanted to be in the fifteenth slot. And it it. Literally came down to like the night before I, I finished writing the list. Uh, I still didn't know who I was going to pick. I had about four people I was thinking about for the fifteen spot, and I finally went with gut feel on on Mookie Betts. And um, I, you know, it's a guy that that Newman had also seen, and um, I know that that he really wanted to see Jose Vinicio um, at fifteen and Vinicio was a guy that I had ranked on last year's Red Sox list as the the guy that I thought was the sleeper for the year, so I definitely wouldn't have argued with that inclusion. I just, again, I went with a gut feel. Newman, you know, maybe didn't agree necessarily. He wasn't, you know, really strongly against my choice, but he definitely thought that Vinicio that would have been a, a, a better choice, I guess, at that slot, and um, with the Astros list, I know J.D. Um, Sussman had some issues with issues. He had um, an opinion, <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> some opinions based on, on where I ranked um, Carlos Perez, who's a, a catcher in the system that okay. came over from the from the Blue Jays in, in a trade uh, last summer. Carlos Perez was a guy that I, I know really well because um, I've covered the Blue Jays system. You know, that's kind of how I broke into prospect analysis, was covering the Blue Jays. Probably like 10 years ago, I broke in just, just doing Blue Jays, and over time kind of evolved to doing everybody. So I know the Blue Jays system probably better than any other of the other 29 systems. So I, I've seen a, and heard a lot of Carlos Perez, so I was really comfortable with where I ranked him, and especially after speaking with, you know, someone in the Astros system, who had also seen him play. Um, and then, you know, speaking with a couple other people who were who were pretty, pretty big. I, I don't know if I'd take big fans, but were quite fond of him as a prospect. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have him ranked a little bit higher than, than maybe JD thought that he should have been. Um, and JD had some other players that he kind of thought would go well there. And ultimately I, I kind of, you know, I, I appreciate his opinions. Um, Definitely. Um he's a you know he's a smart baseball guy um, that people you know probably should be reading a little bit more because um, he's got some good things to say um, but ultimately I you know in, in that situation I didn't really move him I kind of left him where my gut said to put him um, but yeah those are the two guys that uh, we kind of had a little bit of a, de- a debate about
0: All right well hey listen uh Hewitt uh, it's been excellent having you on. I'm actually going to uh invite you. Um, if you if you would, I've, this is something I've been uh, trying recently, and uh, I think it, it works for a couple reasons. Is uh, I was wondering if you would do the introduction with me, uh, the introduction to the podcast with me. Okay. Would you would you do that?
1: I'll do my best.
0: No, your your best is is more than I could expect. <laughs> you could you could mail this in. You could you could just get a sixty on this, and uh, I think we'd still be good. Now that's not sixty on the twenty to eighty scale. That's sixty on the zero to one hundred. You see. <laughs> Just need a passing grade from you, Hewlett. So, uh, yeah, so I'll uh-huh. be quiet and then we'll do it. Okay. Alright. Sir Balper and the 1 of Brass, I'm Carson This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is a prospect analyst for Fangraphs, uh, a great Canadian man, uh, n- no one could dissent from that opinion, Mark Hewlett. And, uh, as we've been uh, doing recently, Mark Hewlett is here to help me with the introduction. Hello, Mark.
1: Hello, Carson.
0: Yeah. Hey, Mark, uh, with regard to what we discussed here, a lot of it has to do with your top 15 lists. Would you say so?
1: Uh, I would say that we're going to speak almost exclusively about my top 15 lists. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, I, I have uh, – I've written down a, a brief list of players who, who people might see invoked in this or could expect to be invoked. Uh, I make you talk about the Astros a little bit, George Springer and Nolan Fontana. Uh, some Cubs. Does that sound right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, a little Dan Vogelbach, a little Dylan Maples.
0: And then someone named, uh, perhaps named Matt Caesar, if that's how
1: you really say it? Uh, I'm told that's how you say it.
0: Right. And then uh, another one uh, who's pronouncing his name correctly as an Italian, uh, Garen Cicchini, not his brother Gavin.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely, Cicchini.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, and, and it should be noted, it should be noted, uh, we don't just discuss these players, uh, but we also uh, will want to address issues that they uh, create as prospects of themselves and also how they fit into your prospect list.
1: Absolutely, and uh, maybe we'll even give some uh, sneak peeks of uh, things that readers can uh, expect to see, and maybe some uh, insight into things they won't even see.
0: Are you suggesting that there might be there might be some material on Falls that is exclusive to Fangraphs Audio?
1: I am very uh, referring to that. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well. Well, I think uh, what's happening right now is that the listener uh, is is waiting for that content with bated breath. Uh, so let's not uh, let's not disappoint him or maybe her, but more likely him, given our demographic. <laughs> uh, that has been uh, Mark Hewitt helping me with the introduction. Uh, you can expect to hear uh, him talk about uh, some excellent stuff regarding his top 15 lists uh, and what follows. It's FanGraphs Audio with with prospect analyst Mark Hewitt, and it begins right now. Let's get to it. <laughs> All right, hey Hewitt. I'm going to say goodbye to you now. You. Uh, well, I'm going to say goodbye to you on behalf of the listeners. But So th- thank you very much for uh, for showing up and doing your part.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: All right. That's Mark Hewlett. I'm Carson Stouli. This has been Fangraphs Audio.